Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel, and welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about enabling and securing distance learning with special guest Aaron Mosley, Senior Account Exec for Education at Intel, and Grant Kelly, Solution Architect for Education at Intel. Welcome, guys. We're glad you're here today, Aaron. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, Grant, thanks for joining. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. You know, this is a really hot topic with COVID, and most of us have kids at home that are trying to do this distance learning. And I have a family full of teachers that are trying to do distance teaching. Oh, my craziness is what it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm in the same boat. Uh, my wife is a fifth grade science and social studies teacher. And so this is both a professional and personal uh, topic yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, great. So let's dive right in and find out, you know, what, why are we talking about this today? What can we do to help out um, school districts and education um, with this uh, really tough subject? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so as I mentioned, right, you know, my wife is a fifth grade science and social studies teacher. Um, I've interfaced with a lot of educators across the country around the world. And some of the things that we're hearing are what we've got here in these emerging considerations. You know, what do we do with these BYOD device scenarios when we're coming from zero trust networks? Um, we've got to look at all of the different options for all of the services that we continue to try and host with the complexity of now not being in a school site or having access to that school network. What does that do? How does that change? We're seeing new modes of communication creeping up. We have more activity going on between teachers and students. Uh, teachers and parents and faculty and staff in new ways along those communication lines while still trying to focus on you know making sure that we keep that student data private we have to worry about all of these default privacy settings with with new technologies that we're using and things like, like that and the complexity of what do, what now happens with our help desk support a lot of these educators um, and education institutions are are accustomed to uh, help desk folks showing up at a regular interval at a school site and now we've got virtual support that we're trying to roll into this and how does that change as well as using these new tools these new ways of communication what are the new classroom management paradigms here we're not talking about classroom management software systems we're talking about what happens when students join you know online meetings and things like that and have complete control over what they can name themselves and so on and so forth and what does that do to the whole you know classroom management paradigm Aaron uh, any anything you want to add there yeah I mean when we go back to the new ways of communicating it's obviously really important that we have a seamless um, experience, but how do we also make sure that the students are able to make connections with their other students and with their teachers, real, um, real personal connections that they're not getting inside their classrooms anymore, and really making sure that that experience is good is so important for that because having a third grader get distracted by um, technical issues really 
diminishes that experience that they really need right now when they're not able to see any of their friends or um, you know fellow students. So I think that's a really important point there too. You know, yeah. it's really interesting listening to you guys talk. It's not about just teaching the kids academia. There's also a major social aspect to this whole right. um, COVID lockdown, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about what, you know, what tools are out there, what's available, how do we, you know, what's the landscape look like, Grant? Yeah, so, um, you know, what we really wanted to call out here was that there's always been this complexity with all of these different layers that we've always had. We've got, you know, the productivity suites with G Suite for Education and Office 365 as a couple of examples. You know, what do we do with learning management systems in this, you know, layered approach here, the student information system integration. Um, how are we, you know, leveraging our, our capabilities right now with regards to scalability? Are we looking at different infrastructure as a service and platform as a, a service solutions? Where does storage play in this? And again, we've got that security and privacy concern. And then the underlying platforms that drive all of that but I saved that top layer for last because that is what has been brought in on the top of this. You know, we had limited exposure to bringing in, um, you know, guest speakers and things like that with some of these AV conferencing and collaboration tools before, but now with all of this landscape that had previously existed, now bringing in a much more, you know, much heavier use of these additional tools has added some of this complexity how we're going to address this, right? And what are kind of the, the common modes of the ways that the faculty and staff and the students will be accessing some of these services? Where do they exist and how will they be accessing them? You know, we've got really a couple main things, right? We, we have a device as a portal to software as a service or infrastructure as a service and platform as a service. And then we have devices as part of the internal network. Previously, they all really kind of fell under that second category of devices, you know, part of the internal network. We didn't have to really be concerned about patching and, you know, policy compliance and things like that because we were constantly connected in these school sites, regardless of whether they were BYOD or district-owned assets and things like that. Now, all of these are changing a little bit. And so looking at those different types of connectivity where we need to be concerned about bandwidth scalability and how do we actually implement that all of those things are really where it starts to the things we want to consider all right so as we look at that first category you know device as a portal to services things like g suite for education office 365 using those new av collaboration uh you know and conferencing tools and things like that we see a lot of stress going on that connection to those cloud services. But the thing that we don't want to forget is that we still have all those underlying services around identity management, uh, student information system, uh, possibly even content filtering and things like that that are gonna need to get back to that internal resource that hosts those. So whether that's you know private cloud, that's really, you know, on-prem in the data center. There's some, you know, Azure, AWS services and things like that. We see some, you know, some benefits, some pros and cons that creep up with that. You know, some of the things that we see with the cloud services are dependency on third parties. You know, what does it look like from a security and privacy consideration and performance? We don't really have control over that. 
that can link to that link back from the cloud services to the on-prem data center. But some of the benefits that we see with that is that decreased inbound traffic to the data center. We do have some inherent scalability and manageability associated with that. So as you start to think about, you know, what does it look like if we're extending the network? The device is part of the network or the private cloud aspect of it. This is prob probably a, a new consideration for most uh, education institutions. VPNs, not a really hot topic, but as we think about, you know, policy compliance on the faculty and staff and student systems, if they're district-owned assets, uh, patching, you know, so on and so forth, this is going to creep up. And so we've got a scalability concern there we really want to be, want to be focused on, right? We want to make sure we don't leave that, uh, you know, leave that behind as we start to consider what this new modality looks like with students and teachers being remote. So we can be concerned or we, we could see things like network congestion creep up, um, that VPN scalability that I was talking about. And then what does all this traffic look like coming from a zero trust network? You know, what do we need to be concerned about with that? Some of the benefits, though, is, you know, this is an extension of our internal network. So that security management, the traffic encryption that we've been leveraging, you know, for a while now on the internal network is now extended to, you know, some of these VPN clients and accessibility. If we're VPNing in, we really have accessibility to all of the services internally that we may need. Now, Aaron, uh, enterprises, uh, sorry, ahead, yeah, enterprise has been doing this for some time, Correct. Uh, VPN. But you said earlier this is really new for school districts and and you know faculty being on a VPN network. Um, have you seen that, Aaron? I, have you seen any school districts really start using VPN, or is this like completely foreign to them? I have not seen it from the student side, um, and it's pretty rare on the teacher side too, but I do think it's a whole new world, right? These are considerations that these school districts are now going to have to take into consideration. I think that in a lot of ways, there's no going back to, to normal without VPN. They all have to start thinking about how does this, how does this look for the future? So, um, you know, no, I have not seen it in the past. I know my kids are not um, accessing any of their curriculum or classrooms via VPN, and there's no plans to do that. It's all through um, third-party uh, applications, virtual worlds. Mm -hmm. So, Grant, with all this stuff going on, obviously we're, we're changing things, so bottlenecks are gonna change, where IT now needs to focus on different things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the important part that you mentioned there, Darren, is that especially, you know, just on the VPN topic for just another second is that as we've seen, you know, enterprise do this for quite some time, as the workforce shifted to virtual, even they were ill prepared for this. And, and the percentage, I think, is the important part here is that, you know, they had kind of geared up for a 10% VPN load is, is what we can expect. If we've got to think about this in education, that number, that ratio is going to be significantly more. You know, we never had a need to think about this for students before. There's a possibility that we do now. If we incorporate faculty and staff and students into that equation, that uh, burden rate is going to be significantly more than a one to 10 ratio. So that's, that's something that we do want to consider, but you're absolutely correct. Those bottlenecks 
you know, VPN is just one of them. It's probably, you know, there's going to be ways that we can work around it. Um, I think we need to, you know, make it a consideration. I don't know that it's going to be a significant one across faculty, staff, and students, um, but it's definitely something to consider. However, the things that are going to remain consistent there are the hosted services scalability. There are going to be things internally that we do need to get access to across faculty, staff, and students, and that help desk component of it. So as we think about where those services sit, uh, even if they sit in that public cloud scenario, getting back into that private cloud or the on-prem data center for things like SSO, the student information you know, traffic, and you know, again, potentially even content filtering, that link coming back in what it looks like from a DIA, a dedicated internet access bandwidth, as well as how do we handle that bandwidth handoff in the, the data center is, are gonna be some really, really important consideration. Erin, um, any comments to add there? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's so much to consider here. And I think a lot of um, school districts right now are really, um, uh, focused on how do they make sure every single one of their students can even access, right? Can they get into this world? And so, you know, there's a bottleneck for some of these students just at home to get on the internet. Um, so, you know, and then you add all these different layers of complexity that they may have to access via a very small pipe. That's, uh, you know, it's the emergency, the emerging bottlenecks get very complex. Yep. So here's a great opportunity for a school district uh, because things are moving so rapidly to really mess things up, right? As far yeah. as architecting a solution, they could create a spaghetti mess. So yeah. it's really important for them to think about their architecture and put something solid in place that mm -hmm. could be resilient. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about, you know, different options here as far as handling um, the scalability issue, Grant. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we want to do is think a little bit about, and I think you stated it, you know, really well, Darren, is that we have an opportunity here to go really good, you know, or need, need a lot of improvement. And, and some of the things that we've done, we, we potentially have done, uh, you know, historically, are things are kind of think in terms of scale up in the data center or scale out some of those services to the school sites. And so we may have had some architecture that really accommodated the aggregation of that faculty and staff and student body into those school sites for things like, um, you know, authentication, patch management, software distribution, so on and so forth. And so we may have, you know, scaled up or scaled out in that regard. And now we've got kind of a new factor that plays in there. And that is now that scale out is handled in a virtual classroom, right? And so it really kind of brings us back towards scaling up those services in the data center. And so as we think about, a, you know, what does that balance actually look like now? We want to accommodate, you know, what historically we may have done, but also what do we need to do going forward? So Aaron, you want to add anything to that? No, that's a really good point. It's actually something, you know, in 
in theory, I knew, but I hadn't really considered. And obviously, every single school that's now gone virtual is not now accessing their curriculum through their business, through their building, and then to the curriculum after that. So it's, it's very interesting how, you know, those worlds have to change, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that, that balance equation still exists. And, and that's really what we need to look at is, you know, previously we really only had the two factors of, you know, kind of the on-prem in the data center central office, right? The LAN and what did it do when it went across the WAN links to those school sites? And now we've got that factor of how do we accommodate all of those virtual classrooms, really? Because if you think about it, the living room of each student the living room of each teacher is now that extended or virtual classroom now. And how do we accommodate that? So that third factor comes into it, but it still comes down to the, the primary concept of really kind of finding the balance in what you need for your district and how do we accommodate all of that? Yeah. I mean, each district may be a little bit different in size and in um, tech savviness. Is that the right thing of both, the kids and the faculty and the staff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of moving parts. I, I do not envy any CIO of a school district right now. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of moving parts. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yep. So what can Intel do to help with addressing the bottlenecks that we've kind of identified in this new virtual classroom, this virtual um, school district uh, concept? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so there's a couple things that there's really, you know, some primary focus areas is, is the way that we're kind of thinking about this. And the things that don't go away, right, that remain consistent are things, you know, about the endpoint, right? We've got to think about endpoint management, endpoint security, and that's really where that IT help desk comes in. That's, that's probably going to shift a little bit. Um, they, you know, previously, again, they had kind of a scheduled Uh, visit to the school sites and now we're looking at ways that we can do that remotely to be able to support all of those things that's where we really kind of look at the data center and what are some of the things that we can do in those areas looking at software defined infrastructure how do we adopt you know software defined networking are we using virtual routers virtual firewalls virtual wireless LAN controllers all of that infrastructure that we had are we are we tied to the physical interfaces on that or have we developed a strategy that'll that'll allowed us to scale leveraging software defined and then integrating you know some of the capabilities with infrastructure as a service cloud bursting and things like that all while being considerate of those traffic patterns that we talked about do we have services where faculty staff student body need to get directly back into the data center do they go to the cloud service, which still has that implication to the traffic back to the data center for things like identity management with SSO and sys traffic, and again, you know, possibly even content filtering. So we start to drill down into some specific areas uh, where Intel, you know, can can help in these situations. It really comes in three major categories: the, the compute the storage and the network. So as we look at kind of shifting, you know, potentially or bolstering, if you will, you know, a software defined infrastructure, what are the pinch points or what are the things that you really want to be, you know, considerate of? And it's really around that compute, 
with Intel processors, storage around our storage products, and network capabilities. Because rather than being tied to you know, physical interfaces on appliances and things like that, we can scale up that bandwidth. And this is the important part that I really want to kind of drive home. When we're tied to those physical interfaces and physical capabilities of an appliance with that appliance's compute, storage, and networking, then we're limited to only what that appliance will allow us to do, the maximum capability. What was that appliance originally specced for when we bought it? We're now limited to that. That's our cap. When we look at software-defined infrastructure, bringing other compute, storage, and network resources into existing clusters and things like that are what allow us to exceed the original specs that we had when we had originally laid that out. So in situations like this, where our needs have shifted drastically due to an outside influence, right? We, we all had to shift from this. We all had to stop going into buildings, whatever they may be. We had a totally different scenario here that we all had to adjust to. Uh, scaling beyond what our current capabilities are really require that capability to just layer on additional resources as we need to, as is inherent with software-defined infrastructure. So that software-defined infrastructure gives you that ability to be flexible. It as, does. As we say, school's back in, everyone go back to school, or no, everyone's at home, I can scale up um, those services as I need to dynamically. Yeah. yeah, that's a really important part, right, is because there's still so much speculation and uncertainty about what we're going to do next. We've, we've heard terms like the new norm uh, come up, but in my opinion, you know, we don't have full visibility yet to what the new norm is. So giving our, having our technology in a very flexible position, I think is going to be key here, right? Mm -hmm. I also think that, um, you know, security so obviously is an important point to focus on here because I think it's easy to see security as a bottleneck. And I've seen situations where we just want to bypass this bottleneck because this security is putting too much, um, too much of a bottleneck on what we want to do and how easy it is for our teachers to access this or our students. And if you don't take those um, considerations into, you know, early, um, and just bypass them, you're actually going to create a lot more problems in the future. So I think carefully consider, considering security and making sure it doesn't become a bottleneck um, is important, but not at, um, you know, not at the, not by hurting what could happen to a student and, and teacher in the future. Totally yeah. great. Hey guys, yeah. thanks thanks a lot for um, talking to us today about um, you know these major shifts that we're seeing in distance learning, uh, just the sheer volume that school districts have to deal with. This is an undaunting task. So we appreciate your guys's uh, wisdom in this in this aspect. You right. bet. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and embrace the digital revolution.